With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Tribune Audio Network. Movers and shakers, leading businesses, nonprofits, governments, and schools across the Quad City area, Illinois, and Iowa. How did they get started? What is their story? Their goals? Their advice for the next generation of the girl power movement? And now, here's your host for Wonder Women, News 8's Angie Sharp. Powerful women, powerful positions. Welcome to the Wonder Women podcast, a show dedicated to showing off the girl bosses across our communities and in this episode, across our country. My guest is Illinois U.S. Congresswoman Sherry Bustos. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you, Angie. First and foremost, it's an honor to have you doing this podcast. It's great to be here. I definitely see you as a Wonder Woman, and I always have. (laughs) So I want to just start with just that, that you're a Congresswoman and how you came to be a Congresswoman. Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) Well, this is my third career. Um, And why don't I start out by saying every 10 years of my career, I reassess my life, uh, my personal life, my professional life. Uh, When I was 30, I went from being a uh, reporter to an editor. Uh, When I was 40, I went from journalism to healthcare. And then when I turned 50, I went from healthcare to Congress. And so um, there's a whole lot of stories behind that as well. But um, what happened when I first ran, um, I, I announced in 2011. And that was right after the 2010 election. And on in that 2010 congressional election, uh, the issue of the day was healthcare. I was working in healthcare, so that was on the professional side of understanding how healthcare worked before the Affordable Care Act, during it, and mm-hmm. after. I've got a pretty deep understanding about how that was going and uh, where it was going. Um, that was on the professional end of things. On the personal end of things, my brother was literally on his deathbed during that 2010 election. And um, the person who ended up representing our region uh, ran on uh, repealing the Affordable Care Act, getting rid of it. Um, My brother died within a week of that election and um, he had what we thought was good health insurance, but it didn't cover the care that his doctor said he needed to stay alive. And so I knew that what was happening in our family Um, was not unique in the sense that there are families all over this country, all over our region, who um, either had health insurance that didn't cover what they needed uh, because of, a, a, frankly, a botched system, um, or they couldn't afford health insurance, uh, they they didn't have access to it, whatever it was. So while that was the issue of the day under the um, auspices of getting rid of it, um, after uh, that person was elected, I decided I'm going to run because I know what my family went through, and I want to help other families um, improve their, their access to health care and their, the affordability of health care. So I ended up running. Wow. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that was July of 2011. I announced I was going to run, was elected the next um, November of, of uh, the next year. 
And uh, here I am now. I'm in my fourth term. I think I remember when you announced because wasn't it was it in Rock Island? It was it, at that. Um, it was at a nursing it home was. right did by Augustana. I did cover it. Oh my it. gosh! Yes, and I remember meeting you. You saying I used to be a journalist. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I like this lady. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, I do really, really do remember that. Yeah. And I mean, and history tells itself. I mean, you have been reelected a few times already. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the area that you cover, and um, what? kind of issues are you passionate about? Obviously, healthcare is right, one of them, right. of course. But what um, positions do you have in Congress now, and sure. what area do you cover? Well, our, our congressional district is actually pretty unique in the entire country. I'll, I'll first talk tell you about it geographically. It's 14 counties, 7,000 square miles. It uh, goes into central Illinois, Peoria, then west to the Mississippi River, um, and then all the way north to where uh, Galena is, where Iowa and Wisconsin and Illinois come together and then follows the Wisconsin state line over to uh, Winnebago County, which is where Rockford is. So it's it's a mix of somewhat bigger towns. We have Rockford, the Quad Cities, and Peoria, right. but in between very, very rural, mm-hmm. a lot of farmland, some of the best farmland in the world. But what makes this district unique is that Donald Trump won this district, and I, as a Democrat, also won. And So out of the 2016 presidential election, there were only 12 congressional districts like that in mm, the entire country. Interesting. Out of 435 congressional districts, there's only 12 like that. So it truly is a swing district where I believe uh, when people go to the, the ballot box, they, um, they think, is this person going to do well by me? Mm-hmm. And for me in this last election to win by 24 points, um, is I also won by the largest margin of any member of Congress in the country um, for any Democrat in a Trump district. So that's a very large margin to, to win in a swing district. Yeah. Well, do you think that's because you kind of, you, you go, you, you get support from both sides of the aisle. You've always called yourself a common sense politician, right? You know, so you, I think you just, people jive with you on both sides. Well, I, I hope so. I, yeah. I think that people around here, I've, I've lived in the Quad Cities for, gosh, almost 35 years now. I, I grew up in Springfield in the state capital, okay. and it was actually my job at the Quad City Times that brought me here. Um, but I don't think this area is so much different than uh, many others in the Midwest, where they just want you to work hard, and they want you to fight for them if there's if you have a fight on right. your hands, and they want you to get results. Mm-hmm. And um, the way I look at it, I remember right after I was elected, and I, I went to the High V, <laughs> and I was uh, just in the in the cafe area, uh, uh, saying hello to people, and I had this group there say, "Well, I didn't vote for you." <laughs> I said, "Well, that's okay." I said, "I still represent you," and, and that's the way I look at it. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you, whether you vote or whether you don't, and I do hope people do vote. Um, but I, I represent 711,000 people and, um, whatever their political persuasion is, that is, is my job to, to do right by this area. Yeah, you um, still represent all of them. That's not just the ones that vote for that's you. That's right. right? Um, yeah. you, you asked what I, what my roles are in Congress yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I actually have a new assignment this, this, uh, session. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, assigned to the appropriations committee. And usually when you hear the Appropriations Committee, the word powerful is in front of that because mm-hmm. um, this is considered an exclusive committee. And typically, if you serve on this committee, you cannot serve on any others because it is very time consuming. But every cent of federal spending goes through the committee that I serve on. Wow. And I'm on um, the subcommittees that really make the most sense for our area. And that's where about somewhere around 90% of all federal funding goes through just the subcommittees I serve wow. on. Wow. Because I'm on the defense subcommittee. I wanted to be on that because of the arsenal. Of course. I'm on what's called the Military Construction and Veterans Affairs 
subcommittee. Um, again, all of our vet clinics, um, our you know that the Iowa City Hospital, mm -hmm. all of that funding goes through there. And then my third subcommittee assignment is called Labor, Health, and Human Services. So, um, and and so all education spending goes through there, all health spending, um, and then anything to do with the Department of Labor as well. So really, really great committees I'm on. Mm -hmm. I asked for a waiver to continue to serve on the Ag Committee. Mm -hmm. So as I said, right. typically you can only serve on one committee if it's an exclusive one, but I asked for a waiver to continue to serve on Ag. Again, when Ag is your biggest economic driver and we have so many family farmers, many who are hurting right now, mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I could also continue to serve on that. Yeah. So you're involved in a lot. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> a lot going on. See. How do you balance it all? You know, how do you make sure that you're giving your all to each one of those issues and those things? Uh, well, you know, I mean, like like any job, um, you balance your, you, you take a look at your time. Um, we work very, very hard to make sure that we show up on time to places because once, if you start your day and you're behind, yeah, um, it just gets worse as the right. day goes on. So I am, I, I'm very, very cognizant of the time uh, because I don't like to be late. Uh, typically out in Washington, D.C., I literally, we have meetings. As it'll be one after the next after the next in my office. And um, my scheduler out in, in Washington will just, you know, when it, they're typically 15-minute meetings, and <laughs> she'll come in and give me the five-minute warning. And um, But it's a matter of, of trying to stay on time. Uh, I Before I go to bed every night, I read. Um, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, I read. I always have a lot of memos. And, um, and it's just balancing all that. But, you know, I'm, my husband and I have three sons. They're all grown now. But we balanced our careers, um, you know, when we were younger, when we started having kids in our 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, just, and, and, you know, when you're a mom, uh, that's the other thing you learned. Yeah. You've got you to balance your home life, your professional life. And if you're a career person where your career is important, you just you just figure it all out. Yeah. I want to go back to the every 10 year you kind of reassess. Some people um, get into a career like me. Like I'm like, I'm going to do this for, until I'm too old and ugly to be on television, <laughs> you know, but you reassessed every 10 years. <laughs> well, what was the reasoning for reassessing every 10 years? Um, I think that's so interesting. Yeah, I have, I think I was like literally born um being inquisitive. So when I was a reporter, and I did that for 17 years of my career, that was like a near perfect fit for everything that I love. And, and Angie, you know this, every day that you walk into your station, and I felt the same way every day I walked into the newsroom at the Quad City Times, I, I knew that I was in a position to make a difference. Mm -hmm. and, and that you loved it, that you enjoyed what you were doing. Yeah. Loved every single day of it. And just like you just said, I thought I would do that the rest of my life. Right. And I literally would have been perfectly happy doing that the rest of my life. But what happened was my last beat at the paper was um, I was a uh, the health editor and reporter. Mm -hmm. And um, I get a call. I'm sitting in the newsroom. I get a call from the president of Trinity at the time who said, uh, we'd like to talk with you about running our communications department. Wow. And I said, well, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I really appreciate the offer, mm -hmm. but but no, I'm, I'm, I like what I do. And, and um, he said, well, why don't we at least sit down and talk about it. And I really had zero interest, zero. So I, I tell my husband about it and he goes, well, why would you not? Why would you not just... Um, what is there to lose? Right. right? Just just have the conversation. Yeah. Sure. And, and so I made the decision to have the conversation and um, then met with the CEO of the health system, a guy named Bill Lever. And I, you know, some folks listening to your podcast may remember Bill. He was the 
the CEO at uh, at Trinity for seven years before he became CEO of the entire parent company. Mm -hmm. And then he hired me to be a vice president And when he went to be CEO of the health system. But um, um, so I ended up meeting with Bill Lieber and I thought, I like this guy. I could work with this guy. And, um, and I made a decision when I talk about the 10-year point. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was just turning 40 at that time. 9-11 had just happened. And, um, and I literally, like, asked myself the question, um, am I doing everything I should be doing or could be doing to make a difference? And am I perfectly happy in, in my life? Mm -hmm. And I made the decision um, that I wanted to, I ended up taking the job. Yeah. It was very, it was a tough transition. I, I will bet. say that for two years and four months, I did not love it. <laughs> two and years I, and four I months. I remember the moment where I <laughs> said, like, this is going to be okay. Oh, really? Wow. And, um, it, but, it, but I made a commitment to myself that if I didn't like it, I would at least do it for two years. Mm -hmm. And what happened at that two year point, um, I was in the middle of a very, very big project that I didn't finish for another four months. <laughs> and it was at the end of that project that I thought, okay, this is going to be okay. Yeah. We had rebuilt our team. We had a great team who all worked together. Um, you know, you realize also how important it is to have colleagues that you like and respect and um, are good at their jobs. Big time. I would not be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for John and Eric and liking them. Yeah. You need it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need it. So, so I, I, I guess that's kind of a long way of saying... Um, I do this reassessment because I am I am driven um, to always be motivated myself to love what I do mm -hmm. and to make a difference. It is um, it's the way we were raised, and you know we all have different things that guide us. Um, some people want to get rich. Uh, some people want um, so-called power. Mm -hmm. Some people just want to make sure that they feel like they are making a difference wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And and it is that third point of, of, about making a difference that that is very important to me. I'm not money driven. Um, I'm not power driven. I just, I have to feel that I'm doing something that is making a difference. And that there are different ways you can do that. Cause you certainly were doing it as a journalist. A lot of us see ourselves as making a difference mm -hmm. every day, but realizing that there's other ways that you can make a difference too. And for that to leap into the political world, yeah. I think is just incredible because that's a tough, that's a tough gig that you have, Sherry. I really think so. I want to just ask, you know, in, in journalism, we get lots of those online trolls and people that say they were too biased or slanted or things like that, or they don't like your haircut or whatever. You must get that like threefold though. Oh, never. How do you, Everybody loves me online. How, how do you deal with it? Like, and I think that that's something for like the next yeah. generation of our women leaders. Um, we sometimes are in a society where everybody's pushing each other down. And sometimes it's hard to take those risks and be like, oh, no, I'm just kind of in this job and I'm just going to do that. Instead of taking the risks and having the conversation and knowing maybe your worth. How do you deal with the naysayers and the online trolls and all those people? Well, I, I think if you um, I, I'm blessed with having confidence, self-confidence, um, and I attribute that to my mom and dad and how they raised us. Uh, they, I had uh, my one brother who I referred to, my sister mm -hmm. and I, and. Uh, you know, we never had to question that we were loved. I thank God for that because I know how many people um, were there not yeah. as, as lucky. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, my my dad, have I, there, I quote my dad. He, <laughs> he passed away um, after I was elected. So I'm really glad that he got to see me um, serve in Congress. But um, I quote him virtually every day. <laughs> but but uh, he he blessed us uh, with um, love and um 
uh, he, he would always talk about, you know, you don't, you don't brag about yourself, but if you do a good job, um, you know, other people will notice that. Sure. Um, he taught us the importance of um, hard work. Mm-hmm. And um, I, di- I just didn't ever have to question that um, if I'm driven by the right things, that, that I'm okay. And the, the way I look at politics is you're always going to have people out there who, to, to your point about, you know, your hair. And by the way, it's lovely and oh, you look, well, and you look beautiful, but there will... I wish this was visual, there, <laughs> a visual podcast. <laughs> there are, but there are people who, you know, it's, it's always when it comes to women in the public mm, eye, right. it is what we are wearing, yes. um, how much we weigh, uh, what our hair looks like, what our makeup looks like. Um, it, all of that is, I think people feel that that's fair game. To criticize, and if you look like if you look at men in politics, and I don't know about your colleagues on on air, but I'm guessing the criticisms that they get um, are less than what you get. I'm I, I'm guessing they don't talk a lot about their suits, right? No, um, or yeah. their ties, or their hair, or um, any of that. But but women, it is amplified. And how do I deal with that? Um, I, there, my favorite book is called uh, The Four Agreements. Okay, and it's written by this guy named uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And um, he talks about if you live uh, four different gr- agreements, and I won't go through all four of them, but but one of them is called, uh, it, he says, don't take things personally. Hmm. And I don't. And and I figure if somebody doesn't like me um, or they think I don't, uh, you know, look the way they want me to look or sound the way they want me to sound, that's kind of their problem. Um, again, I know what drives me, and I know that I'm honest. I know that I work hard. I know I fight for people. I know we have gotten some unbelievable results for this area. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm good with who I am. And uh, so, um, the, the other thing is I don't read all those, all kind, those. Yeah. Uh, I actually That's read <laughs> virtually none of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for people who are listening to this, if they've ever written something really hateful, just so you know, I don't know what it is because I don't read it. <laughs> right. Um, that's up to my staff to let me know if there's if there's something I should know about. Right. Um, I post my own Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and if, if you look at my own Instagram account, you'll see a lot of dogs because I because <laughs> I love dogs or um, you know when we're out doing uh, fun things with my family or or whatever. But um, I, I you, you can't pay attention to, to uh, haters. Yeah, I was going to say because, haters going to hate, right? Yeah, they're going to be out there and they're going to do what they're going to do. But um, I, it doesn't bring me down. Starting as um, a journalist and then going through your other careers, has being a woman mattered? Does it matter being a woman as a journalist in the healthcare industry as a congresswoman? Well, uh, you know, we just we just talked a little bit about uh, the criticism of women in the public eye is, um, I think, a little bit sharper. Um, and, uh, uh, really much of it doesn't matter. Again, what, what does it matter if, if, uh, my hair looks bad for the day? Right. I mean, I don't want it to. Right. No, <laughs> of course not. It just, it just happens. Mm-hmm. And what, what, you know, and if you wear something that doesn't look that great, well, again, I don't want to wear clothes that don't look mm-hmm. that great, but the, you know, it just happens. Um, so there's that part that is different, I believe for, uh, for women in the public eye, whether it's politics or in, in journalism or, um, or anything like that. But, um, you know, other, other than that, I, I think what we bring to the table is we're relationship builders. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is, you know, there's there's those studies about women use more words than men. We're communicators. And um, it is important for us to have, I think, people who are close to us, um, whether it's our family or whether it's people we work with and it's building those kind of relationships. That is very important in politics. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you, you started out this podcast by talking about how um, I am viewed as somebody who likes to work together mm-hmm. and work across the aisle. I do. I value that. Yeah. I may, you know, our political system is, is set up in the way that you have to run as a Democrat or you have to run as a Republican. Um, but I want to be able to work across the aisle with people who are reasonable. Yeah. I try to do that. Every bill. Because that's how you get things done. It is how you get <laughs> things done. And, and last congressional session, um, all but two of the bills I introduced, I had Republican co-sponsors on day one. Um, because I know that, especially when we Democrats were serving in the minority, which we were up until this, this congressional session, um, I had to find Republicans I could work with or I would not have been successful in any of my legislation. Right. Um, so I, I, we're relationship builders. We, uh, If you look at a lot of the legislation that involves family, uh, whether it's uh, looking at preschool opportunities, um, whether it looks at uh, child care mm-hmm. uh, costs, the, many of those, uh, or sexual harassment in the workplace, m- most of those have women who are the leaders behind that legislation because we have faced that, mm-hmm. and um, we know how important that is for families. And, and the thing is, while some people look at those as women issues, they really are family issues, and we all we all have families. Yeah, exactly. Um, more and more women are serving in Congress than ever yeah. before. What does it mean to you to be kind of part of that history oh, in the yeah. making? Well, I, um, I I think it's great, and, mm-hmm. and I am serving in Congress at a time that it is historic. The in, if you look at the Democratic Caucus. We literally have our, the majority of our caucus comes from uh, areas that are viewed minority. Um, so whether it's African American serving or um, Hispanics serving or women serving, um, et cetera. So the majority of our caucus caucus are not, um, you know, the traditional politician, and and, and I think that's good. This, this is a historic time, not just um, because of the the president who's at. Uh, serving in the White House right now or because we have a female Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. but uh, because of the way the caucus is made up, the issues that we are facing that this nation really has um, historically not had to um, had to face. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm pleased to be part of it. I, um, on the campaign side of things, on the political side of things, I run the entire uh, political arm of House Democrats. I'm only the second woman to ever run it. I'm the first woman ever to be elected by my colleagues uh, to serve in this position. And that goes, you know, we're looking at the entire history of, of Congress. So I, you know, this is a place in history and I'm happy to be part of it. It's not a boys club anymore. Well, no, it is not. <laughs> it is still a majority boys club. Right. Uh, but it is, um, there, there's more and more women. And I think that makes us um, stronger. Uh, I think, it, yeah, in, in yeah. the end, it's, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you're, how many years have you been in? It's 2019. How many years have you been in Congress now? So I am in my fourth term. Okay. Um, so I am in my seventh year. Okay. So, so we're uh, getting close to this 10-year mark. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so and, what does that I'll, mean and, for you? Yeah. <laughs> and I will be um, 60 in two years. So, um, well, you know, I will. I'll do, I'll do a thorough reassessment. And, um, you know, first of all, I have to be successful in this campaign. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every every two years, if you're in Congress, you, you have to run. Yeah. And so uh, going into 2020, it's, I have to pay attention to making sure that I'm, uh, again, delivering for this this uh, part of the state of Illinois, this mm-hmm. congressional district. And hopefully the voters will uh, think that I've, I've done right by them and, and reelect me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after, I will be then in the middle of that term if I'm reelected. Um, when I hit that that ten year mark, yeah, and I will, uh, you know, I'll do a, an assessment and figure out what makes sense for for me, for my family, mm-hmm. and 
for how I can make the biggest difference yeah, possible. Make the difference. Yeah. Exactly. That's such great advice. I love this idea of even if you do decide to stay in the same career, to every few years just reassess a little bit and make sure that you're still doing it for the reasons that you should be doing it. Yeah, and, and yeah. you're not and you're, losing sight, and you're still doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, right, that too. Yeah, yeah, and being yeah. able to be self a little bit self critical of yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have to. You the, the other thing is is um, in your career you've got to have people around you who are who can tell you like it is, mm-hmm. and um, aren't you don't want a bun- bunch of yes men and yes women around you because if if you don't have people who will. Um, be honest with you and candid with you. It, it is. I think it's difficult to grow in your career the way you should, and that that would be another piece of advice I have. Mm-hmm. Is just you know the team that you build or the team that you have around you is very very important, not just for your own success, but um, to make sure that when you aren't doing something uh, as well as you should, or if you are on the verge of making a decision you shouldn't make, um, that you've got people around you who will make sure help guide things in the right direction. What are some of the other pieces of advice you have for the next girl power generation? The little girls who are listening or girls in high school or college who um, need some guidance on how to kind of enter the real world, as we all call it, as a strong woman, a wonder woman. Well, I I would have a few, but um, I would say um, a a couple of the most important. Number, the first most important um, to that question is... um, you got to get outside your comfort zone, mm-hmm. and um, there's a, that Shonda Rhimes. The you know she's the um, she wrote a book called the the Year of Yes. Oh right. And she she's the she wrote Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. and um, right. what is it, Anatomy of a Murder or something sure, or How yeah. to Get Away with Murder or yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm not. A, I, I don't watch all those shows, <laughs> but I but I know who she is. Yeah. And um, and and it's so her book about the year of saying yes and what I say get out of your comfort zone. It is if you have an opportunity. Um, and it is a good opportunity that could lead to um, something really good, but you're, it really scares you. Mm-hmm. Um, my advice on that is to say yes. Do it. <laughs> Just say yes. Okay. Um, and then figure out how you're going to navigate that. Because mm-hmm. uh, it could take you two years and four months. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it could. It, it absolutely could take you two years and four months. Or, um, you know, like I, I think about uh, my, my husband and I, you know, mm-hmm. saying yes to... Um, you know, getting married and being able to, to have a family. Um, those are scary things. But leaving a career that I loved in journalism and going into a completely different career in healthcare, that was scary. Mm-hmm. But I said yes, and I navigated my way um, to a career that I never would have been able to go into politics had I not done that. Because Angie, as you know, when you're in politics, you can't do anything politically other than vote. Right. You can't put a yard sign up. You can't contribute to a candidate. You can't go door to door. Yep. Um, but when I got out of journalism and went into healthcare, that was when I ran for city council um, oh, in East right. Moline. Yep. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. And if I hadn't been on the city council, I probably wouldn't have ever thought of running for Congress. And, you know, so saying yes to, to things that are scary. Um, have really led to wonderful, wonderful things for me. Um, again, as long as it's ethical um, and you don't have to compromise your values, say yes to those things that are a little bit scary and then just figure out how you're going to get there. That, that would be one thing. Um, the, the other thing is um, when I talk to, to career women, I always say, don't waste your lunch hour. Hmm. And, and that's not typically on anybody's list that you see out there. But I have done that my entire career from the time I was a journalist all through healthcare and now in Congress. But if I'm intrigued by somebody 
if I saw a story about somebody on TV, mm -hmm. if I read about a, a, a profile of somebody in the newspaper or in a magazine, um, I will call them and I will say, can I take you out to lunch? Huh. Um, I, I've either, and it might be somebody I've just heard good things about. Right. And I would say, I've heard really good things about you and I'd really like to just take you out for lunch. And in that one hour that you have with that person, you get to know them and you will realize that you build friendships, you build a very interesting network. Um, and then after I've done that, I never hesitate to call them <laughs> if I need advice, if right. I need counsel from them, if I just if or if I enjoyed them to have another lunch with them. Huh. But I, I have done that my entire career and that has helped me as a journalist, yeah. it has helped me in politics, and it has helped me um, meet a lot of great people. What a great idea. It, it is. And, yeah. and you, especially as a journalist, even if you don't have the camera rolling yeah. or the tape recorder rolling, you will meet some amazing people that will help you in your journalism career as well. Mm -hmm. And then just one other thing I'm going to bring up is, um, and this is the thing that I see most people get wrong, it is doing what you say you're going to do. And, um, Walking the walk. It, it, it is. It's and it's even simpler than that. It can be <laughs> as simple as returning your phone calls, uh, responding right. to your texts, responding to emails. Um, if you have committed uh, to, uh, I'll give you an example of, of something that, that we do. If I've committed to speak at an event, and let's say another speaking engagement comes up that is would be maybe more interesting, more exciting, or a bigger, or better you know, for you, or sure, whatever. something, yeah. Once we've committed, mm -hmm. we do that. Yeah. Now, there sometimes are exceptions, um, but they would have to be pretty important exceptions that, um, you know, where, let's say all of a sudden I'm scheduled to speak at an event and we have a terrible disaster in our district that I've got to make sure that I'm going. It might be even, you know, flooding where people are hurting or sure. or whatever. like an important vote that you or, kind of or, have to be at. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I don't I, I my voting record this session is 100%. Right. Last session yeah. it was 99%. <laughs> I mean, like I voting like that is sacred. Right. You don't that's, miss votes. That's that what is we, my job. That's what we elect you to yes. do. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. but it, it if you can if you can do what you say you're going to do, you can be a success in just about any career. Because most people get that wrong. Right. Most people can't even bother returning phone calls. Um, you, you know this as a reporter. Yeah. Um, and if, if now, not a ton of people have my cell phone these days. But if they if people call me, they're going to hear back. Right. I, I can just tell you they're going to hear or back. Or if they back. write to you at your office or call your office, you have always said that. We get yeah. back to people. Right. And um, in, in whatever your line of work is or even in your personal life, do what you say you're going to do. And if you do that, I can tell you that is a differentiator because most people don't get that one yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Yeah. Great it's, not, advice. There's not, it's not overly exciting advice or, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my gosh. That's, that's groundbreaking. <laughs> uh -huh moments. But no. people don't get that right. Yeah. And if you can, you stand out. Yes, absolutely. Simple advice, I think, is probably yes. the best advice for yes. people. Uh, finally, Sherry, what is a Wonder Woman to you? Oh. Um, what are some I, of the characteristics? Yeah, I've, I've had so many great women in my life um, on a personal level, on a professional level. And um, I, I, I think it's kind of some of those things that we were just talking about. Can, can you count on them? Mm -hmm. And again, that's so simple. But it, but being able to count on somebody is is really important. Um, but I would say like I'm, I'm, I'm even picturing people, um, you know, that may, maybe this will uh, be... Um, 
I don't know, this, this is probably not earth shattering either, but people who say, uh, do what they say they're going to do, people mm-hmm. who are honest, um, people, I, I value an incredible work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you see the people that I work with, every single one of them is a hard worker. I don't ever have to question that people in our congressional operation are working hard. Um, if folks listening, I can tell you, you are getting your money's worth. Um, with your, your tax dollars pay for our, um, for our operation, but you are getting your money's worth. Um, but um, working hard, being honest, doing what you say you're going to do, and um, you know, putting others, uh, I, I, it doesn't even have to necessarily be ahead of yourself, but, but putting others on a pedestal in that, um, you know, in, in my line of work, we are here to serve others. That, right. that is not the, to be selfish. It, yeah. That is the, you know, the, the criteria, um, in our <laughs> office, we, we have, we have caseworkers who literally work with people. If, if you think about it, you don't go to a congressional office, um, and ask for help unless you're probably pretty frustrated. Yeah. So right. we, we have these caseworkers, uh, most of whom are master's level trained in, in social work, mm-hmm. um, that, that help people every single day. They are wonder women. They, mm-hmm. Our caseworkers are wonder women. I'll say you got a lot of women on your team. We do. We have a lot. Mm-hmm. We, we have a lot. Um, most of the people who work in our Rock Island office um, are, are women. Um, half of the people in our Rockford office are women. Half the people in our Peoria office are women. And out in Washington, um, yeah, it's about, uh, it's about half and half. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and you know, I, I have a Great admiration for, like, if you're asking for any one person, um, there are many women in politics who I have a great deal of respect for. But, uh, you know, my my own mother and father were a blend of, of who I am today. My, my father uh, was, you know, I would call very, very driven. I mean, his career was, you know, very, very high on his priority list. My mother was a so- social worker herself. Um, she worked with uh, foster kids and um, kids who were adopted. My mom was adopted herself, and I think that's why she went into that. And then she was a preschool teacher and um, and then actually uh, ended her career working in a hospital in social work. So um, what I saw from my mom, you know, from the time I was a little girl, we would go to, say, we'd go to a store, and if the clerk was grouchy, my mom's goal by the end of that transaction is she would get them talking to her and she would get them to smile. Right. And, um, and she was almost always successful. That's amazing. Uh, and uh, so um, I wish I had more of my mom in me because she's um, infinitely uh, patient and um, always constantly happy. Yeah. And she's, she'll be 86 next month. And um, she, to this day, is just um, always wakes up in a good mood and is happy all day long. Yeah. And, um, and bringing out the good in people. Yeah, I think that's always, a good quality of always. a Wonder Woman is bringing out the good. Yeah, I did, but, but I, you know, I don't think there's one definition of who no. a Wonder Woman is, but and they can come in all different shapes, sizes, mm-hmm. careers. But I think if you're driven by, um, you know, honesty, hard work, um, helping others, you end up in a pretty good place. Yeah, that's great. Sherry, thank you so much for being a Wonder Woman in our <laughs> community and serving the people in our community and across the country. I wish you the best of luck in the future, thank too. Thank you, Angie. Yes, especially on your, whatever your next venture You're a Wonder Woman, be. by the way. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that, too. Uh, thank you, Sherry, and thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, the response to this podcast, even after the first episode, has been outstanding. So you can find more information about Congresswoman Bustos, we will link her Instagram page of dogs onto our website and other Wonder Women on 
wqad.com. Just click the podcast tab located at the top of our homepage. Ladies out.